Isn't it amazing how God has so created us as human beings that the, the very nature of our hearts, the condition of our heart, who we really are on the inside, is always manifested, made clear by the words that we speak. You know, Jesus said this best in Luke chapter 6, verse 45. He said, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart, he brings forth good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. For out of, now notice this, it is out of the overflow or the abundance of our hearts that our mouths speak. A couple weeks ago, one of our deacons and I, we went out to to lunch and had a, I just had a great time. Just, he's one of those deacons, the man just loves you, just affirms you and encourages you. And, and I'm, by the way, I'm just blessed to have some wonderful deacons. Every deacon that is in our deacon diaconate, our ministry, are just godly men, men of encouragement. And this year, I'm taking every one of them out to lunch and we're one-on-one. We're just having a blast. And, and Bob Gorm and I were talking, and he, he brought me a book. He said, Pastor, I've got a gift for you. I want to give you this book. And I said, okay. So we in between eating fried catfish, amen. He gave me this book called The Joy of Words. And I kind of smiled because I don't know that he knew that in a couple of weeks I would be actually preaching an entire sermon on the thesis of that book. And as I read the book over the next few days, it was fascinating. It is a compilation of famous poems and speeches and sayings of men and women throughout antiquity. And you would Oh, you would recognize them. And as I read those words, I thought, this is, this is so powerful. Just words on a printed page, words that come out of our mouth, have the unbelievable dynamism and power either to build somebody up or to demolish them and break them down. The Scripture says in Proverbs 25, 11, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in settings of silver. And, and by the way, the book of Proverbs says a lot about, it reminds me of James chapter 3. It seems like one of the main uh, premises of Proverbs is, be careful what you say. Because what we say, it's kind of like toothpaste. You know, when you, when you squeeze toothpaste out of the tube, have you ever squeezed too much and tried to put it back in the tube? That's a mess. I mean, once it's out, it is out. Be careful what you say. Our main text today is Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21. And I've shared on Facebook, I've shared with our staff, I've shared with many people that this is, this is not the best sermon that I will ever preach. This is not the most exegetical, expositional. Last week was my favorite kind of preaching. I took one verse and spent 45 minutes studying the Greek, the syntax, and I just love that kind of preaching because... It challenges me as a pastor, and it also just speaks God's Word. Well, today may not be the best sermon I ever preach, but it may be the most important sermon I ever preach. In 30 years of preaching, I don't know that I will ever speak a more important word, especially for Great Hills Baptist Church. The power of words. It is time to talk. What I mean by that is it is time to speak words of blessing. Moses in Deuteronomy 30 said, Look, Israel, I put before you blessings and curses you choose. Choose to bless and be, have life or choose cursings and have death. And that's exactly what Solomon said in Proverbs. He said, Death and life 
are in the power of the tongue. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Why is that? Why is it so important that we talk about the power of our words? Well, I can think of a couple of reasons. One, I think a word like this, a text like this, will serve as a, as a caution to us to be careful, to remember the incredible, explosive power of what we say. Now, watch this. In like a mighty dam that dams up the waters, be careful and harness that power. Maximize that power. Understand that God has placed within the human being, the human mind, the human soul, that ability to literally create and foster life. And also, God has given this, the, us this free choice, this ability to literally destroy and break down. And I'm talking about destroy churches, destroy families, destroy lives not by punching them in the face, no, something far more sinister by speaking a derogatory word toward them. Death and life are in the power of our tongues. Secondly, I hope that what you hear today, will, it will encourage you. And you'll walk away saying, you know, before I say that, let, 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 me, check, let me check my spirit, let me check my heart. And I want to just affirm, I want to speak blessings. You know, as this is a message about family, I, I really believe it starts in our families. Wouldn't it be awesome today that even during our invitation, that if your family member is here, it may be a grandmother, it may be a dad, it may be a sibling, it may be a cousin, you just walk over to them during the invitation and say, I want to obey Scripture and I just want to speak a word of blessing and affirmation into your life. And I just want you to know how much I love you and how much I appreciate you. Can you imagine if that were to be multiplied? Can you imagine the exponential explosive power that would break out in your home, that would break out in your neighborhood, that would break out at your job, that could break out at Great Hills Baptist Church if we were careful that every word we said was not to destroy or to deteriorate or to hurt, but was to build up and to bless Solomon said, we have power. The Hebrew word is yad, and it can be translated as a hand. And hand, yad, is interesting. Because if you look at it that way, then it's like a hand. Now, we know what a hand can do. A hand can caress and just the power of physical touch. But when you take that same hand and you wound it up like that, it's, it's dangerous. And I don't think it's an accident that the Hebrew word that Solomon uses, yad, can be translated hand, because now we're starting to say, oh, I realize, I, I understand now, a hand can really, let me tell you something very, very importantly, that hand can never hurt me more than that tiny little instrument between your teeth called the tongue. It can destroy a life. It can destroy a ministry. It has, and it will continue to. One writer put it this way, they, they who use this tongue must abide by the consequences of their words. Whether by kind and pure and edifying conversation, they contribute health and life, not only to themselves but also to others, or whether by foul, calumnious, corrupting language, 
They involve themselves and others in mortal sin, end of quote. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. What does that mean? I think it has two meanings. Those who love the fruit, the offspring of the tongue for blessing, will be blessed. I'm serious. If you are constantly, now I'm not talking about flattery. We're going to talk about flattery in a moment, which really is the antithesis of of being genuine. If you speak words of blessing, if you seek to encourage the people that live in your home, listen to me carefully. I'm telling you, this is going to be one of the most important sermons that I have ever preached in my life. If you will take what I'm saying and go to your home and try it out, fathers especially, fathers, dads, take, take what your pastor's saying today. Take it to heart. Go home and begin to build up your wife that you have belittled for years. And watch the dynamic metamorphosis. Watch the change come over her when you speak life and, and blessing into her life. And do it with your children. Do it with your grandchildren. Do it with everybody in your home. Seek to build up and not to uh, tear them down. Now, concomitantly, commensurately, those who love it, the destruction of it, you'll also eat the fruit. You'll have children who don't have anything to do with you when they're older. Can you blame them? I mean, you beat them down, you belittle them, you hurt them. And now your children don't want to have anything to do with you because, listen, I'm telling you, you got to eat the fruit, whether it's fruit unto life or whether it's fruit unto death. Listen, in our home, there's a lot of words going on. I'm telling you, we, we are a talking crew. And we love to talk, and we love to build each other up. And I've, I've had to work on this because for me, in a home, it, it's automatic. Default is to be critical because that was my environment. I was constantly criticized, I was constantly put down, I was constantly demeaned by my earthly father. But on the other hand, bless her soul, my mom would say, don't listen to him, listen to me. You are awesome. God created you. You have a gift and God's going to use you. I'm telling you, God's got his hand on you. Don't listen to him. But I'm a human being. And I tell you, the, the person who has more influence in my life would be my dad. The Bible says that children's children are a heritage but the glory of a child is his father. And dad, when you speak, I mean, there is life. There is power in the words you say. I can't tell my kids enough how much I love them. I tell them all the time, Hannah, you are the most beautiful girl in the world. Oh, dad, dad. And Brian, man, I love you. Last week I said that boy can eat. Boy, people have given me a hard time. People have said, is that all Brian can do is eat? And no, no. Brian is one of the most caring, serving people you'll ever meet in your life. He, he's just built that way. Many of you in this church have come to me, and many people in the community have come to me and said, that guy is special. He must take after his mother. I said, he does. And then Layton, I mean, I look at Layton sometimes. One of you asked me today, Blake, we were talking today. Blake said, where did he get his height? He's six feet tall. I said, he didn't get it from me. He got it from his paternal grandfather, Mike Young, 6'3", 280. That was my father-in-law. Amen. I was kind and respectful to Big Mike. That's what we called him. And I tell my wife all the time, I tell her, you're amazing. You're beautiful. 
the most beautiful person in the world. I, I get to live with her. And I mean that. It comes from my heart because I know, having experienced, on the other hand, what words can do to somebody. Words can build us up. Words can tear us down, start a fire in our hearts, or put it out. That's what the song said, and it's absolutely true. We have a choice. The choice is ours. Will you give curse today, or will you give blessings? First of all, I want to look at the curse of words, and I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time here because, well, we're all good at this. We don't need a whole lot of instruction about cursing. And by the way, when I say cursing, I'm not saying bleep, expletive. Of course you shouldn't do that. The Bible says, let no corrupt communication come out of your mouth. When I say cursing, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about something far more sinister. I'm talking about saying something that will alter the course of somebody's life. No, really. Saying something that they will never be able to totally eradicate. They can only battle it because it came out of your mouth and it is indelibly impressed. I, I remember playing high school football, and, and I got beat bad on a play. And I came to the sideline, and, and uh, Coach Cumby, he said, For she, what is your problem? I said, He's a lot faster than I am, for one thing. And, I, and Coach, I did my best. He said, Your best? He cursed me. He cursed me. I wish that coach would just punch me in the face instead of telling me my best was not good enough. James 3 says, oh, the explosive power. This tongue, nobody can tame it. It is an unruly evil, and it is full of deadly poison. Proverbs 12, 18 again speaks of the duality of the power of the words that we speak. He said, there's somebody who speaks like the piercings of a sword. By the way, that's not good. <laughs> that's not good. Pierced with a sword. People like that. And then he says, but the tongue of the wise, are y'all noticing the duality of these scriptures? Are y'all noticing the, the opposites, the concomitant effect of the words? On the one hand, there is cursing, there is hatred, there is vile, there is detriment, there is destruction, there is tearing down. And on the other hand, there is life and blessing and affirmation and encouragement. And you and I get to choose it. Choose. How are you going to speak to people? Are you going to build them up? Or are you going to, to verbally eviscerate them? Ah, oh, preacher, it really don't matter. It's just a word. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words may never hurt me. You're an idiot. <laughs> don't know who you are. You're an idiot. Well, I got a problem with that. Get another preacher. Because this one, I'm going to tell you, you, you got to quit doing that. You must quit doing that. Even this morning, stop. In Jesus' name, stop. In Jesus' name, stop. Stop it. Now, I'm, I'm really serious. Words kill. They are killing us. They are killing many of our people. We, don't, we just think, well, I'm just giving a piece of my mind. We don't need a piece of your mind. We need your prayers. We need your support. We need words of affirmation and build people up. Well, I don't agree with everything you do. You're not going to agree with everything Jesus did. And so just take a moment and remember, remember, before it comes out, am I going to bless that lady 
or am I about to put a curse on her? Andy Stanley, y'all know Andy Stanley, famous pastor in Atlanta, Georgia. His father is Charles. (laughs) Charles Stanley had somebody hate him so bad, literally walked up to the pulpit and knocked him down with his fist. Most of the deacons left. Half of the church left. It was horrible. I mean, a split like nobody's business. It was all precipitated by this, like a little asp, a viper, vituperative, venomous cobra. But Andy Stanley planted a church, North Point Church in Atlanta. He said, you know, I was in junior high school. Has anybody ever been in junior high school? I mean, is that not the weirdest time in your life? I mean, your body's going through changes. You, you are absolutely the most insecure human being on the planet. And junior high school, when you're trying out for cheerleading or you're trying out for sports, I mean, it's, it's life or death. If I don't make it, I'm just going to die. If I don't make the team, I will die. That's all there is. No, you're not going to die, but you think you are. Andy Stanley said, I made it to the final round, the final cut. On the junior high basketball team, I was so excited. And during the scrimmage and the coaches are analyzing us, they're scrutinizing us, scrutinizing us, and I'm going down the court, and I take a, this is hard to do, in my shirt or in my coat, in my tie. Happy St. Peter, Patrick. Anyhow, he says, I'm, I'm going to take a shot, and I shot it. And he said, I missed everything. The goal, the net, the backboard. I missed everything. And the coach said, Stanley, you are a loser. You're a loser. And Andy Stanley is so sad. He said, I never picked up a basketball the rest of my life because of a curse. Some are here today. I'm so sorry. You have been brutally cursed. I'm so sorry what your mom told you and what your dad told you. Everybody in here has been cursed with words. I know it. It was a coach. It was a parent. It was an aunt. It was an uncle. It was a grandfather, a grandmother. And they said something to you. You always remember it. I'm just so sorry. I wish, as somebody who's a pastor, somebody who cares, I wish I could extract that out of your mind and forever erase it in your memory. Tom Elif is going to be with us in a few weeks, and I hope, I just hope you come. He's the president of the International Mission Board. He will close our global impact celebration. A few years ago, well, actually more than a few, he preached a sermon at Southeastern Seminary. I was just a young 30-year-old professor And I was sitting out in the congregation. And by the way, I have heard thousands of sermons. Most of them, I I could not tell you, I couldn't remember hardly anything. I know that's humbling for preachers like us. I mean, we're just preachers. We want you all to remember everything. But the truth is, you're not going to remember them all. But there are some you will never forget. Tom Elliff preached a sermon entitled, The Curse of Words. And I remember as a 31-year-old professor sitting out there going, oh, no, this is getting way too close. And I started reliving in my mind 
the demolition that occurred daily in my home. And, it, and that was the thesis of his sermon. Our words, parents, please listen. Our words have the absolute power to shape a soul. Let me finish the Andy Stanley story. He said these words in his book, Visionary, and he says, and I quote, A person's words literally have the power to set the course of a person's life. A life. Well, enough of, enough of cursing. Uh, the Bible has so much to say about it, and Proverbs especially. As I move to the blessing of words, can I, can I speak a word of blessing over you today? Would you receive this? The Bible says in Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 17, The Lord your God in your midst, the Mighty One, He will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. The Lord does this. He will quiet you with His love. He rejoices over you with singing. That's what God says. The Bible says the fool vents, but the wise holds it in. Scripture says in Proverbs 10, 19, In the multitude of words, sin is not lacking, but he who restrains his lips is wise. And finally, listen to this, Psalm 141, 3, Set a guard, O God, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. So that is the point one, the curse of words. Let's talk for a few minutes about the blessing. You remember in the Old Testament when Jacob dies and toward the end of Genesis and he, he pronounces these prophetic words and blessings over his, his 12 children. It's a powerful, it's a powerful rendition of, of what happened in the Old Testament and it continues to happen. I believe it should happen more in today. When we, especially as the fathers, as the spiritual priests in our home, we, we take the initiative and we begin to harness that explosive power and we use it for, for good. My favorite proverb in all the Bible is what I'm about to share with you. Anxiety in the heart of man causes depression. And I want you to know, that is, that is so true. You know, last year, I hadn't told anybody this, I had two panic attacks as your pastor. I want to tell you something. I thought I was dying. The words and the stress became too, so much to the point that I literally thought I was dying. My heart started racing. I grabbed my wife, and I was like, what is going on in the house? And I really thought I was dying. Some of y'all are going, Pastor, that's nothing. I've had a hundred of them. I hadn't. Literally, a panic attack where you are just overwhelmed and you think you're going to die. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but a lot of you have had those. You didn't know what it was, but you don't want to go there again. Anxiety in the heart of man causes depression, but watch this. But a good word, praise God, a good word makes the heart glad. You don't think you have power over me? You don't think you have strength over me? 
You do. You do. You have the power to build somebody up, and then you have the power to tear them down. Now let's talk about flattery for a moment. I'm not talking about... There's a vast difference between flattery and compliment and a sincere, genuine compliment. Flattery is when you speak a kind word to somebody, but you don't really mean it. Or you speak a kind word to them, but your heart is impure. You have a selfish motive. You speak a kind word to them, but you really want them to reciprocate doubly back to you. That's flattery. And the Scripture says in Proverbs, he said, man, would you quit quoting Proverbs? Proverbs is killing me. Proverbs 29.5 says, the one who flatters sets a trap. You're actually setting a snare. So how do you communicate goodness? How do you speak a word of blessing into somebody's life? I want to give you four ways to do this. Again, this is not the best sermon I ever preached. I actually preach against preaching sermons like this. I do. I mean, because it's not very textual-driven, expositional, but y'all forgive me. This and like during the annual State of the Church message, forgive me, but I'm going to give you these four ways you can build somebody up and speak blessing to them. Number one, tell them why you respect or appreciate them. Say it in your home. Say it in your job. Say it in your church. Verbally say, here's why I appreciate you. I thank God for you. You are my wife, and I'm telling you, I'm so sorry. I have not said this more. You are amazing, honey, and I appreciate you, and I, I'm not flattering you. I'm telling you, this is the truth. I love you, and I'm bi-. That's what I'm talking about. And you can take that same truth, that premise, and extrapolate it, and it applies to every relationship. We have the power, the inherent intrinsic power to literally save a life, save a ministry. Save a heart and speak words of blessing. I mean, say it. Some of you are looking at me going, I could never do that. I don't have the gift of mercy. I don't have the gift of encouragement. Idiot. (laughs) No, no, really. I've had people tell me this at this church often. I could never say that because I don't have the spiritual gift of mercy. You got the gift of meanness. Hey, listen, I am not eight feet tall, but I love basketball. Okay? I'm not eight feet tall, so I'm never going to play basketball. I'm never going to look at it. March Madness just for the birds. I'm never going to look at it because I'm not eight feet tall. I don't have the gift. Listen, we're, we're talking common sense 101. You got a tongue? Use it. Say, say, hey, I sure do appreciate you because. And then say it. That's not my generation. I, I tell you, my dad never did that to me. I tell you, my dad was just a hard man. That's just the way it was. Then get over that and don't keep doing that. That's not good. It's not good. Well, I just got to hold it in. And my, you know, I walked by my dad's deathbed and overheard him saying good things about me. I overheard him. He would not say it. He just would not say it. He was dying of cancer. I walked by the hospital corridor and I stopped and he said these words. He said, you know, God's got his hand on my son and he's going to use him in awesome ways. I was like, what? 
are you? Where did that come from? I'm telling you, it, it still just blesses me to no end. Well, you need to appreciate your dad. He was from another generation. Listen, I don't want any generational stuff superseding Scripture. Okay, Scripture says, build them up. Strengthen them. Encourage them. Number one, you can say it. Number two, you can write it. Send an email. Tweet about them. Or more importantly, you ready for this? Write it with your hand. I think we've lost the art of handwritten notes. And I know I'm getting close to 50. I've been saying that for five years, but I really am. I'm getting close to 50. And words just... Y'all don't know what it does to me. My love language is words. You're like, yeah, duh, you think? You think that's true? Listen, that's just who I am. I'm not going to change that. Again, you move me on out, put somebody else in here, because that's, that's just who I am. That's just who I am. Write a note. And, and just say... Hey, you have been teaching my Bible life class all these months. I just want you to know, if I hadn't told you by now, you're awesome. Man, you study so hard, and you, you speak God's truth, and, and I just want you to know I appreciate you, love, Sarah. Bye-bye. Watch what happens. Write it out. Email it. Number three, give a secondhand compliment. You say, come again? What is a secondhand compliment? It's not flattery. Secondhand compliments uh, go like this. Hey, uh, use somebody as an, as an example. Hey, Mike, how you doing, brother? Pastor Mike did a great job on the baptism, by the way. Practicing when I'm preaching. If, if I were to say, hey, Mike, uh, of course you weren't there, but the other day Kyle and I, we were, we were talking... And we're actually talking about you. And Kyle said, I tell you, that Mike Miracle is an amazing man of God. He is, he is one of the great men. He loves God. He loves Scripture. He loves, he loves Claudia. And, 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 and Mike, I just want to share that with you. That's what, that's what Kyle said about you. That's a secondhand compliment. I want to tell you something. Mike's chest started, he started to bow up. He started, that's right, man, I love it. There's not a man alive, not a woman alive, not a teenager alive who would not receive that and go, whoa, thank you. Man, I'm just put a little kick in my step. Anxiety in the heart of man causes depression, but a good word, a good word makes it glad. It buoys the spirit. He blesses him. That's a secondhand compliment. I got one more, number four. Say these words. I am Sorry. No, I'm really. I'm sorry. Yeah, I verbally eviscerated you and said all kinds of mean things about you, but God really convicted my heart. And I just want to show I'm sorry. Would you, would you forgive me? You would think in a church this would come easy. But a church is a strange place. There's an entitlement and a licensing in a church that says, I have a right to do this. 
I give my time, I give my tithes, I play my instrument, I teach that class, and if I want to say it, I'm going to say it. You think in a church of all places. We wouldn't do that. I don't know. I really don't know what's going to happen here when we get it, when we start building each other up. And we start just speaking life and blessing and denounce the age of curse and promote the age of a favor. And I want to I speak a word of, of blessing over you. And let's just gossip about each other. Gossip in a good way where we are constantly edifying. Some of you here today, this message, it, is, it has popped you right in between the eyes. And I'm telling you, it's gotten me too. Y'all only get it for 45 minutes. I've been living with this all week. And God's been taking me and talking to me. And I wonder if the Holy Spirit has spoken to you today and, and you need to do something about it. During the invitation, you may just need to step across the aisle. Or you may need to walk into the back where somebody's seated. Or you may need to come up here to the altar. Or you may just need to turn around and say, Honey, I'm a nitwit. Are you married an knucklehead? You, you know that, don't you? And she'll say, yeah, I know that. <laughs> no, I'm just being honest. Honey, I want you to know something. I just appreciate you. When's the last time I told you, thank you for cooking my dinner? Thank you. Man, my wife cooked roast and cornbread last night. Come now. <laughs> I mean, that was good. And I told her, by the way, I not only told her, but I tried to help her clean up. So somebody today, just, just reach over and say, hey, thank you, I appreciate you, or you go home today and just write out a note and just send it to them, okay? Some of you here today say, I, I speak out of the abundance of my heart because my heart's not right. My heart's hurt. I hurt people because I hurt. I hurt people because I hurt. I'm sorry. I wish I could take that away from you. I really do. Kyle, the best counselor in the city, if not the state, I believe he would agree with me and say, I personally wish I could change that for you, but I can't, but Jesus can. Jesus can. Jesus loves you, and, and we affirm you, and we bless you. Maybe you're here today, and your heart hurts, and you just need to give your heart to God. You, you've never genuinely just said, Lord, take my heart. Take my life, and I give it to you, and salvation, I give it to you, and rededication, what, whatever your decision is. In a moment, we're going to have our counselors up here. We're going to have pastors up here. And I'm going to, um, I'm just going to kind of hang out up here on the stage with the praise team. I might start singing with them. I don't know. Uh, and then I'm just going to, I'm going to pray for you. And I want us to, I hope we practice what we preach today. God, thank you for today. Thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, that we have the power of life and death in that small little instrument called the tongue. And, Lord, I'm praying today for Great Hills Baptist Church that we would be an affirming, blessing kind of people. Lord, you tell us that the fool vents, but the wise man holds it in, takes it to you, God, in prayer, and just vents to you. 
So, Lord, today, I, I, no matter how different some people may be, they can always find something that they like about that person. So I'm just praying now that today and throughout this week there will be words of affirmation and blessings overflowing from Great Hills Baptist Church. Pray today, God, for the person that needs to respond in repentance and faith, that today would be the day of salvation. I pray for the family or for the single adult, Lord, that, God, they've prayed about it. They know Great Hills Baptist Church is not perfect because they know no church is perfect, but they believe that God is up to something here, and they want to be a part of it, and they want to help Great Hills back to life and back to health and, and to flourish. Oh, God, bring them. Bring them to us. We need them. But, Lord, as we stand to our feet in a moment, I, I really pray there would be a freedom and a release, both in the pew and at the altar, to speak words of blessing. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you go ahead and stand to your feet? And, and staff and counselors, y'all just come on up here at the front. We're available to you. Terry's going to lead us, and we invite you to come. God bless you.